Hello, I'm Dr. Geraldine Agee, Miles College Provost and Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs. And I'm here to tell you that now is your time. Miles College is Birmingham's premier four-year HBCU. We offer intimate class sizes, accessible faculty, and a personalized career plan with you in mind. Whether it's your first time in college or you want to return and finish, please come experience Miles College and let us invest in your future. Reverend Rain. Yes. Tell me a joke. Um, I invented a new word. Plagiarism. <laughs> 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 I was about to try to think of something. Yeah, that was that was all right. Um. Ashley Rain Moore, aka Punky Brewster, is an actress, rapper and songwriter, and evangelist from Birmingham, Alabama. With her undeniable influence in hip-hop, country, and pop genres of music, Rain developed an epic blend of sounds that created a platform that she is now using to spread the gospel. Rain has worked with music industry greats, and now aims to change not only the television and film industry, but also the way gospel is preached. Reverend Rain. Yes. Tell me a joke. Um, I invented a new word. Plagiarism. <laughs> I was about to try to think of something. Yeah, that was that was all right. Um why hold on my joke ain't acting right all right why do we tell actors to break a leg because it's full of cast because every play <laughs> has a cast <laughs> good one now um i want you to start at the beginning mm -hmm. right um Tell me about everything up to graduating high school. Don't oh. go any farther than that. I want you to dig deep. I want to know mom, siblings. Do, do you? I, I thought you had siblings. Yep. Um, I want to know what church you grew up at, what schools you went to, uh, what your hobbies, your Favorite color, all that, all that stuff. Um. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in Woodland. Um, we moved here. My mom was a single parent. I got an older brother and an older sister. We moved here when I was about three from Mississippi, and um, lived in Woodland. I went to. I don't think I knew you were from Mississippi. Well, my mom's from Mississippi. Right, I was, right. I was but born I mean, in. Um, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that little part. Yeah. That's I was all. actually born on um, Langley Air Force Base okay. in Hampton, Virginia. She okay. was military. Then Mississippi. Then we moved to Alabama, and um, before we moved to Woodland, we lived in Ensley in the Brickyard Project. Okay. So I went to Tuxedo Elementary, moved to Woodland, went to Gate City, then with the Banks. So they was like all 
the hood, hood schools of the hood. <laughs> and then high school, I went to Alabama School of Fine Arts for math science. It was the number four school in the nation at the time. So that was like a big change going from like a predominantly black school to like everybody white. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of different. Um, it was the basic, you know, in the summertime it's hot. So you go outside, wait till the sun go down because you don't have air conditioning, run around, play sports and so forth. And then um, kind of develop the love for music. Mm-hmm. So my brother and my guy brother, they took the uh, Master P. I got the hookup. Mm-hmm. So you remember when you used to put the V, not the V, the CD, like the little cassette tapes, right, in there, and you record over the beat. Yeah. So we made a song to that, and I was the only one that was serious about it. So I just kept going and going over the years. And high school hit, kind of family transition, went to foster care, got saved at seventeen. So I didn't want to do, like, the hood music no more. So started doing gospel music, and that was kind of what led me to where I'm at now. Now, um, somewhere along in there, mm-hmm. you were inspired by someone running for office. How did all of that come about? Um at the time, because of the music stuff, I had a little influence, right? All the churches and stuff. And um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, William Bell and Sheila Smoot, they started the, I think it was like Young Birmingham City Council or something like that. So I mm. met this guy. His name was Iva Williams. And he was just like, yo, you want to introduce me? And I, I can't remember what you was running for. <laughs> but it was like the first time I was on the news, like doing something of that nature. And it was like, it was, it was epic. Since then, I've worked on a lot of campaigns and... I don't know. It just kind of changed the course of a lot of stuff for me. You were making a funny look. When I ran for county commission, um, I asked Rain to introduce me at yeah. the press conference. And you've always been, you're special. You know, I, I, I recognized that then. I've recognized it since. And, you know, I just am blessed to be a small part of of that, of the meteor, the meteoric rise of, of you. I just, I'm, I'm so serious. Now, um, after high school, mm-hmm. then what happened? Um, I actually got a full ride to Southeastern Bible College. Um, I had a basketball scholarship. No, our team did not win. We sucked. It was horrible, (laughs) but it was a scholarship. And um, I kind of did that for a little bit, but then I realized, like, I'm a firm believer in sound doctrine, right? I don't expect people to live by it, but if we're going to teach it, you have to teach the truth. So I went to school for apologetics, and it's basically defending your religion. And I kind of dropped out of college. Um, We had this big debate about Isaiah 45 and 7 and the professors didn't believe that most of the stuff that we go through God allow and I just didn't want to go about life teaching people that Satan had more power than God so that kind of shifted things and I was like forget it I'm gonna be a rapper and so I just kept doing the rap stuff and I mean it kind of took me all over the world tell me I want to I want to know the thing about it is you are so humble Mm -hmm. But this ain't the time to be humble. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> lay it down. Let them know where you've been, what you done seen, who you done worked with. Um, I've worked with, so my first manager was Ian Burke. So he is like a big deal. Um, 
in Atlanta. He put everybody on from the Fugees to um, Goody Mob. He put TLC together, SWV, TI, his deal, the whole works. Um, after I started working with him, I worked with Bernard Porter. He's out of Nashville. And his business partner is Ted Gentry from the country group Alabama. So working with them, um, I'm the only rapper to ever be on Cracker Barrel's soundtrack. Most people don't even know that Cracker Barrel have a soundtrack that come out every year, but yeah. I'm the only rapper that has ever been on there. Um, and then from just working with those two, I've got to work with Javon Dawkins out in L.A. Um, I've started meeting videographers. Um, my guy, Will, he introduced me to treatment writing for videos. And so my first project, um, Travis Green, Intentional, I did the treatment for that video. And I think right now I got over 600 million views um, on YouTube. Um, and then from there, it was just like the philanthropy, nonprofits. Um, I worked with Shanita Foster, her husband, George Foster. He played football. From there, went to Africa. I went to Swaziland, um, Zimbabwe, South Africa. We built orphanages. We took the kids shopping. We fed them. And it's just yeah, it's all now, because of when music. When you say treatment, what does that mean? So when you're looking at a video, right, and you see them doing various things, sometimes they have a storyline, sometimes it's just a performance, but basically you'll send me a song, and I will visualize the best way to portray that. And so it's kind of like a storyboard. Mm -hmm. So it's like writing a story for the music, depending on what type of mood the artist in or what they're trying to portray. portray. And it's based off, like, the image that the label is trying to push for them. It seems like as of late that has been kind of your thing. Like yeah. that's where you've been. Yeah, I mean, residing. Um, that's <laughs> believe it or not. I think because elementary school, middle, high school, I was always you know in the programs and speaking in front of people, preaching in front of people, and so forth. And I realized like I like behind the scenes a little bit more. But the problem is when people hear me speak, I'm always pushed back to the forefront. But in terms of, like, film and television, I mean, I'm a script writer now, um, production assistant. I done built full um, set designs. Uh, Tori Hart, Kevin Hart's um, ex-wife, last year did a video for her, wrote the treatment. I did the wardrobe, the whole work. So it's been, I don't know, I just like creating stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you like more, the the creative or the performer? I think the creative. Because with the creative, you're expressing your true self. And then that way you build a real, you build a real <coughs> fan base so people can relate to you versus the performer. I mean, I can give you a song and you can go out there and perform it. But over time, you're going to take that mask off. It's not going to be you anymore. Versus the creative, they're giving you everything they have in different seasons. It's like Mary J. Blige. You know, she put out an album and she married and she happy. We ain't going to like the same as when she broken. But mm -hmm. she's still reaching people either way. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Now, how can people um, find you on social media and where and all that kind of good stuff? Um, Instagram, RainPunkyB, R-A-Y-N-E-P-U-N-K-Y-B. And on Facebook, Ashley Rain Moore. Those about the only two handles I use. <laughs> now, how did you get the nickname? Punky Brewster? Um, I was going to More Than Conqueror's Faith Church, and um, it was a lady named Shantae. She worked with 95.7 Jams. And, like, I just used to dress crazy. 
And so one day she just called me Punky Brewster. I had no idea who it was. <laughs> like, you know, I think I think the series ended the year I was born. Right. And so I did some research and I became obsessed because the crazy part is with Punky Brewster, remember she was like an orphan kid and then some, the dude went to the judge and that was literally my story when I went to foster care. That's literally what happened to me. Like, I had nowhere to go. Somebody went before the judge, cried for me, and it changed the course of my life. So... It just became who I am. Yeah. And um, you glossed over that, and I was going to let let it slide. Mm-hmm. But you brought it back up, so that meant God really wanted you to reveal it. Mm-hmm. Tell me that story. Whoa. Um, so I was a victim of sexual abuse um, from the age of 10 to 17. And... When I finally told what happened, it was one of those situations where, I'm sorry, um, when I finally told what happened, it was one of those situations where um, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's cool. It was one of those situations where um, life was just happening at the time. I had a brother who was incarcerated, his child, my parents had just got custody of her, and so if I would have messed up that household, she wouldn't have had anywhere to go. She was 11 months at the time. So um, I kind of just did what I could do. You know, I reached out to a counselor at school, told him the situation, and uh, my foster mom actually, she taught me at Banks, and I hadn't spoke to her in probably like five years. So the social worker come to the school, and she like, do you have somebody you can call? I ain't really have family here. You know, my, my folks aren't from here. So I just called a school teacher, and I'm like, yo, um, I need you to meet me at child care services at the school. And she just came and picked me up. So um, this was like two weeks before she got married. Um, after she got married, her and her husband had issues. So my manager at the time, I just kind of crashed at her house. But since I was underage and still in high school, um, I couldn't get legally emancipated. So then that's when my manager took me in and she became my legal guardian, so she actually adopted me. So I got three moms, my biological, my foster, and my adoptive mom. And now where is your relationship with each of them? I mean, it's it's good. We have family get-togethers. Like, I mean, it's understood. I'm one of those people, like, once— God sent me somebody, and he says, family, can't nobody break that but God. So it's like, you know, they come with the territory. I, I don't really change, you know, switch it up like that. Jesus said, whoever does the will of God is my mother, my father, my sister, my brother. So that's how I operate. And that's just, you know, you Uncle Ivo. Like, that's just, <laughs> you know, it's. And, and it's funny. Um, I want you to tell me your first favorite, fondest memory or whatnot, but I I want to say this. <clears throat> You're one of the first people that started adopting me as Uncle uh, Ivor, like, for real. Like, that's unk. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, um, yeah, like, I think you might have, you you way up there, like, yeah. of people that were we calling like, me we Uncle like Ivor. 17, 18 years in the game now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's been that long. Yep. Ooh, wow. I'll be 35 this year. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Charles Barkley. Call for a Redmond and water at bars and restaurants throughout the great state of Alabama. 
Redmond Vodka. Available at select ABC stores and package stores. Redmond Vodka is eight times distilled, gluten-free, and is made from non-GMO corn. Looking to support a local business? Redmond Distilling is Alabama proud and minority-owned. Learn more online at redmonddistilling.com. If you had an opportunity to give your younger self some advice, pick an age and tell me what advice you'd give yourself. I would tell my 10-year-old self to trust the process. I think so many times we like to skip and get to whatever that thing is that we want, but it's the journey that prepares us. You know, I tell people all the time, like, when I used to pay my first fruit, I put down I want to win the lottery. But here's the problem. I'm too cheap to play the lottery because I don't want to miss. <laughs> I'm not about to pay $20 and then I don't win. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the people who win, they do stuff like that consistency. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Michael Jordan, he did what he did consistently, and I think that's the thing. We can't we can't expect greatness without going through something. Even if you look at a flower, when it started, it was in the darkness. And when it grew, it had to go through various seasons over and over again with no shelter, nothing to protect it. But when it finally grow and blossom, that's when we see it and we like, oh, it's beautiful. And I think that's the thing. We have to learn to trust the process. Don't skip steps. Wait your turn in line. You learned that early on. And, you know, I'm watching people now senior to me that still don't get that. Um, what what was the lesson that finally made that sink in to be patient, to trust the process, to know that God is there and not to worry, not to be anxious? Honestly, I think when COVID hit, um, Prior to that, you know, people look at social media and they think I'm doing all this type stuff. And I learned that just because you're busy, that don't mean you're being productive. And so I had a lot of quiet time to sit back and reflect. And, you know, when COVID hit, a lot of people started dealing with depression. And it was crazy because I found myself depressed. But on the same note, these are the same things I prayed for. I got the car I wanted to drive. I got the house that I wanted to live in. I'm financially stable, like all the things that I had prayed for. But if if I didn't go through all that other stuff, then I wouldn't be grateful for what I have now. And it just made me realize, like, back when I was 21, 22 years old, I knew if I have no money in the bank but $1, I can go to Shell and swipe that card and gas up and just wait for the overdraft fee. Now I'm at a point where it's like God has blessed me so much that I can turn down money. But it took time to get to that place to realize, like, every opportunity that presents itself is not for you. Everybody that say they're for you, they're not for you. Like, once you learn to focus on self, I can't do what you do because I wasn't called for that. But if I operate in my purpose, I have no choice but to succeed. It's like I already ordered that. It's in my name. It's coming to my address and my address only. All I have to do is wait on the postman to deliver it. What's your favorite charity? Salvation Army. Why Salvation Army? Um, My mom worked at the Salvation Army for 15 years. And when I would leave school, it used to be right behind um, the Sheraton. So when I would leave high school, leave school, and I would go over there, and I, I got to meet so many people. I would tutor people and help them get their GED and feed the homeless. And you got to meet so many people who, if you would have asked them when they were children what they wanted to be, nobody would have said they were they wanted to be homeless. 
But I realized, like, throughout life, people go through things. And it taught me, like, you're not the only one going through things. So as I got older, I always spent time every Christmas, every Thanksgiving. I'll go feed the homeless, even when I was living in Georgia and so forth. Like, it was a humbling experience. I met first person I ever met that had AIDS. You know, and I realized they were people just like us. And we're more dangerous to them than they are to us. It was just small things that I think that you won't learn unless you be around a lot of broken people. Mm. Well, if you don't answer one of these questions, you got to make a donation to the Salvation Army. Okay. But they're easy. First of all, the most important question of all time iPhone or Android? iPhone. <laughs> that's, that's iPhone. <laughs> Apple, iPad, iPods, Steve Jobs. All that. What's your favorite pair of Jordans? Jordan 1s. One. See, I know what the ones are. What I got? You got the limbs. I got the limbs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Rickwood. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Botanical. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Uh, Legacy Arena. Crossplex or Legion Field? Legion Field. Biggie or Tupac? Tupac. Michael Jackson or Prince? Oh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Michael Jackson. That was a hard one. Um... Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Sloss. Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? Barons. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Legion. Alabama or Auburn? Alabama. State or A&M? A&M. That's only because my little sister go. Okay. What's your sign? Sagittarius. What does that mean? I don't know what... Like, what are the traits? We're basically um, half human, half animal, and uh, adventurous people, um, philosophers, very spiritual, outgoing, um, lovers of knowledge. Hmm. Okay. Who's your favorite NBA team? Oh, Golden State. Your favorite NFL team? I don't have one. Okay. Not having one is, is okay. What's your favorite? What is your favorite restaurant here in Birmingham? Bistro Two Eighteen. Okay. What's your favorite scripture? Galatians Bible, one and ten. Or story. Go ahead. Galatians one and ten. All right. Who am I trying to please, man or God? If I was trying to please man, I wouldn't be a slave to God. Mm. That reminds me of that. Um, John, Jonathan Gray song, No Gray. Jonathan, what's his name? Jonathan song, No Gray. But it, it I'll, I'll get it to you after this. Anyway, um, you called me the, what, a week or so ago, and mm-hmm. we talked about something that had been has been stirring in both of us separately and so we figured, you know, surely there must be something here. And it is 
people's relationship with Christ or more importantly, not having a relationship with Christ because of the world. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to talk to you no more. I want to finish this conversation on, on, on the mic. Okay. So tell me, tell me your thoughts on, on, on where we are. I think right now, um, spiritually, we're in a place where um, traditionalism is getting old. You know, um, millennials are leaving, Gen X is leaving, Gen Z, they doing crystals and sage, and they're not even thinking about it anymore. And I think that it's because we've been taught so long you have to dress a certain way or behave a certain way or you got to be perfect before you come to God, and that's not true. So a lot of people are unchurched or dechurched or they just trying to find whatever path they can take to get to God without going through Jesus because they equate Jesus to the um, institution of the church. I, um, one of the things we talked about is like, all right, using me as a a literal example, I, um, have had family, friends, church members to be like, you know, how can you have that sense of humor, but you claim to love God? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, what do they have to do with any with either? Um, and we talked about that. There, we feel as though there are people who feel like, all right, if I don't have the right thing to wear, they're not going to accept me. Now mm-hmm. that that in my mind, that does not happen at my church. Mm-hmm. Because I walk in however I have, want to feel that yeah. day. Yeah. But I can't say that that doesn't happen somewhere on the middle pew or three rows over from me. Mm-hmm. Somebody is getting looked at up and down, and it makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I just want you to expound on that. Like, you, you have a meet-the-people-where-they-are mm-hmm. type love and tight ministry? Um, I think it comes down to this, right? You have kids. When your kids come to to your house, do they have to dress a certain way because they're about to see their father? No. When they go into the refrigerator, do do they have to beg you to eat or are you just going to go ahead, my children need to eat type thing? And I think that's what the church needs to focus on. David said there's no, way, no place we can go to escape the presence of God, right? So whether you're in a suit or you're in a bathtub naked or you at the club with your best get up on, God is still there with you. And that's the same mentality that the church need to start teaching. Like God is with us always. He is our father. He said, nothing we can do can separate his love from us. So it doesn't matter. I preached high. I preached drunk. I preached just in a swimming pool. It don't really matter. Anywhere I go, I preach the gospel, but it's not like a, a you going to hell type thing. I preach grace and mercy because God showed it to me. That's how I know how much he loved me. When I, when I was growing up, I didn't really care about God like that. If you told me about Jesus, I'd probably cuss you out because everything that I saw that I equated to a relationship with God, it wasn't real. But then when I opened up that book and I saw how Jesus was, if you look at every time Jesus encountered somebody, he could have rebuked them. He could have sent them to hell instantly. But he loved them in such a way that when he said, go and sin no more, it's like a relationship. 
You can walk around unshaved and so forth, but you meet that right girl, you finna go get a lineup, you gonna go shopping, you getting yourself together, and that's the type of relationship that, that God creates with us. He wants us to literally come as we are because who we're supposed to be, only he can make us that. And by going to church every Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, being a part of all these auxiliaries, it don't count if you're doing it to please the pastor because God look at the heart. Like if you're not doing what you do to truly please God, just like if you're in a relationship, if you pay all the bills, but you never spend time with your wife, she's not going to be happy. And that's how God is. Like, he wants us to be real with him. When it comes to prayer, you don't have to be holier than thou or none of that type of stuff. It's like, look, God, I'm having an effed up day. I need you to fix this. And he already knew you would be in that place. He already knew what your mindset was. But right now, because of how society is, every time you look online, it's like the Christian's this, the Christian's that. People don't even realize to be a Christian is a derogatory term. Just like if a white person called us an N-word, it's the same thing. But when you're looking at it the way they're pushing it, it's like if you're really going to be a Christian, if I love you the way I want you to love me, then that means whatever you're going through is not my job to judge you. It's my job to help you through that. And the church don't teach that. They tell you, oh, you're not blessed because you ain't been paying your tithes or you ain't blessed because you need to stop doing X, Y, Z. That's not true. But I have, But my question is... That was you said it again, the church, mm-hmm. and I'm still trying to figure out are are these issues with the church meaning common meaning mm-hmm. you know like at lots of churches this yep. um, sentiment exists or are we talking about you know within all churches there's one little old lady you know. Which is it? Because, but, and I want to say this, because the way my friends make me feel mm-hmm. is as though the world is coming at them, yeah, and and that's why they avoid any type of church. Or- and 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 that that is the truth, though. It's like when I say the church, I'm talking about the four walls, right? Like right, right, the, right. The the various people. In reality, is we are the church. I'm the church. You the church. The Holy Spirit abides in us. But the problem is most of these people who come at you, who are supposed to be Christians just like you, they don't realize we're in this world, but we're not of it. We don't we, we abide by spiritual rules. That's why when Jesus came, they didn't know if he was political or religious. He was talking about the kingdom of heaven. He was talking about a dimension that ain't it ain't even here yet. But everybody else focusing on what Pharaoh say or the emperor say or the president say or the Republicans say or the Democrats say. And in the midst of all of that, quote-unquote Christians, they lose themselves. So the same people who critique you, like I laugh at your stuff on on Instagram all the time. I like it and I don't care if other people see it because at the end of the day, I know you. Like I know if I need prayer, I can call you and you're going to pray for me. Versus some of these people who saying, oh, don't put that up, they can't even give you a scripture if you weep. And I think that's the difference. Like God created us to be who we are, to reach who we're supposed to reach. There are certain people that the same people who are critiquing you, they can't reach a person like me. But I can come to you and say I want to do the most crazy thing because I know I got people throughout the U.S. and around the world that listens to me, and you're going to understand it. And I think sometimes the, the issue, because for me, I done preached at all different types of churches, big churches, small churches. I done been in front of 10,000 people, five people. And it always comes down to the same thing. The moment you get that, that babe in Christ, who God, God, Jesus, Jesus, who forgot they was just sinning yesterday before they said, you know, I accept Jesus, I think that's where the issue come in. Or some of these people, they grew up in church, they, oh, I've been saved my whole life. 
nobody came out the womb saved. Right. And God ain't got no grandkids. So you don't get saved until you accept Jesus Christ. So I think it's a lot of reteaching that needs to be done in order for people to really establish a relationship. Because just because you pray for your kids, that don't mean your kids are saved. They got a covering. But if they die right then, you cannot guarantee they're going to heaven. But we we miss that so much because we're worried about other things. Oh, you working on Sundays. You can't come to church. You can't fellowship because y'all worry about membership. And membership equates to dollars versus if God is telling you to move. I had times where I didn't cut checks and I ain't even worry about it because I was just that blessed in my broken space. And I think that's that's what we, we need to create a space where people feel comfortable. If if you doing good, then great. Bless somebody else. But if you down and you broken in the spirit, you don't need nobody kicking you while you down. <clears throat> but what we talking about doing is kind of crazy. <laughs> Man, let me tell you. So Pastor Jamal Bryant, when I seen that he posted the hemp farm, yeah. that was it for me. I'm like, you know, you can you can put me on the cross and I'm good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, one thing I know for sure, if I if I get on that cross, that means I get to sit on the right hand, hand side of God, just like Jesus did. You know what I mean? Like, can I tell them what we're talking about? Yeah. All right, so I want to do a BYB Bible study. And the B can stand for anything. It can stand for bottle. It can be a bottle of water, bottle of alcohol, whatever. But if you smoke that, hemp, of course, because marijuana is illegal, um, <laughs> you know, Bible, burdens, you know what I mean? Your body. Some people don't even know what to do with their personal body. But I think that doing something like that will create a free space. You know what I mean? Think about it. When you go to church, you can't even drink water. They don't want no peppermints. They don't want no, unless you're a little kid. And then they even turn around and look at the kids. You want a, a safe space where when you're kicking it with your friends and stuff, y'all might talk about politics, sports. You might encourage them with the word. That's what we want to create. Because in my mind, when Jesus was spending time with the disciples and the other people, it wasn't nothing that was so, I mean, Jesus had wine. Right. First miracle, he turned water into wine. The Last Supper, he said, next time I drink wine with you will be in my father's house. Which in my mind, I feel like we're going to get turned up in heaven. Right. So it's like, wh- why why do we push this? Do y'all even know the history as to why we push this? The laws that created this stuff where, and I'm not saying for people who have vices and addictions and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> right, I'm not right, saying right. that, but I'm just saying a comfortable place because sometimes like me. Yeah, what's wrong with having Bible yeah. study at, at happy hour? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't like personally the, drink, but like, let's grab a brew and talk <laughs> about, you know, the 23rd Psalm. Yeah. Like, what we're saying is that your relationship with Christ should not be reserved for when you're in your Sunday best yep. only yep. and in the house of God. Like, Sometimes we want to be comfortable, but we don't want to leave God behind. And, and you know, I just hope, and, and in addition to the BYOBs, I talked to my pastor about having a happy hour for singles at the church on Fifth Fridays once, once the church is done. And so what we're saying here is that you don't have to choose. You don't have to be this fake is the the fake person or thing you think you have to be is not what's gonna get you into heaven. Yeah. 
being real, being transparent, being relaxed and able to have a conversation with somebody who knows the word yep. and can help lead me in the right direction. So that, you know, the next day or after thinking about it a couple of days, I will take that step yep. to go look for a church or just a, a leader or whatever the case may be. Yep. But we both arrived at this place at yeah. the same time that we got to take this step. We got to we got to bring God into common places yeah. or people are not going to be saved. And I think that's the thing. Like Jesus really is for everybody. Right. And you think about the Great Commission. He tells us to go out into all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But what we see is come to church. He right. never said come. Jesus, <laughs> never Jesus, he once. Was, he was, he was everywhere. He was at Peter Mama house. He, he was did in Galilee. Not say, he meet was on me the at the temple. Exactly. Right, right. He went to where the people were. He met them. He literally met them at their place of need. And I think that's what we need to start doing. But we we get so cliquish and oh, I gotta go to church and this and that. But if you keep pouring into a cup, the cup just gonna start running over and it ain't gonna benefit nobody. Versus if you go out and you 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 give to those who are thirsty and then you come back and fill up and you can keep pouring out. And I think that's where they're missing the market. Cause nowadays people ain't coming in. They feel like they don't dress the part. They don't look the part. They don't understand the part. So. Oh, Matthew 18, 20. Um, Eric wanted me to, me to be sure to share for where two or three gather in my name. There I am with them. Yep. And, that is the basis of what we are building. Uh, we're not trying to create a church. Nah. We're not trying to do. All we're saying is you can socialize and be. Socialization and the word can coexist in yep. the same place at the same time. Yep. Bring us home. Um. The BYB Bible said it's going to be a place for us to fellowship, for us to hang out. Everybody don't want to go clubbing. Everybody don't. Even if you don't drink, it's still a nice place to come, have a good time, spend time with people, learn and grow without all the politics, without all the religion. That's it. I want to thank my dear niece, Rain, for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed 63, i360news, and urbanham.com. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.